Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have a conversation with Matthew Governale. He is a data protection manager uh, currently at EY, and he has tons of management and IT consultant experience with over nine years of experience in managing all aspects and all phases of uh, IT projects from analysis, requirements, design, and testing to implement implementation and also training. Um, he also has experience in development and delivery in telecommunications, Microsoft security, business process management, and also software development lifecycle or SDLC. So uh, Matthew, welcome to the gumbo. How are you? Hey, good morning, Demetrius. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am also doing well, and it is the close of a week, so I am always in a good mood when I can get ready to roll into a weekend here, so looking forward to it. Why don't you give us your take on like your experience over the last you know, nine, ten years, some of the things that, that you have been doing? Yeah, more than happy to. So kind of over the last you know, nine to ten years where it was you know, starting out kind of in you know, general technology consulting, working with clients putting new tools and technology into their infrastructure. But where I've kind of pivoted and started jumping in security was about seven to eight years ago, where I actually started working a lot within the data protection. So it's it pivoted from, you know, general, you know, IT-based consulting to very, very focused, you know, how do we protect information within an organization? How do we make sure that it's seen within only the right eyes? And how do we prevent, you know, exfiltration, you know, sense of information that could hurt not only, you know, the people, the customers, but the organization. And that has kind of been my passion, which has led me through, you know, the various companies I've worked for is all around building data protection programs um, and, you know, starting to help organizations understand and focus on what a zero trust environment could look like for them. So that's kind of been my my journey so far. Okay. And when you think about building a data protection program, as you just mentioned, what are some of the pillars or some of the things that, that you you would look for uh, when you are starting on that journey? Generally, working with a client who's, who's interested in something like that, it's it's really helping them start off by discovering, well, what is, what is sensitive to you? What is the most important to you? What do you want to hang on to? So kind of, that's kind of the baseline. If you can figure out what it is you know, that you want to protect, that's going to kind of give a lot it's a lot easier to kind of build the program off that and put in the controls in place, you know, to make that, uh, you know, dream become a reality for a customer. Okay. So p- putting controls in place. So th- these are primarily, I'm thinking security controls because um, it, it's a really hot topic right now. And since, you know, more and more workloads are, are being migrated, lifted and shifted, you know, from on-premises to the cloud, um, we, we are continually seeing uh, different silo silos of data and silos of workloads. And so uh, it's very important to to make sure that, that those workloads and those applications are all protected. So if you were, I guess, having a conversation with, let's say maybe a CIO or, or a CISO, how would that conversation go? What, what are some of the things that, that you would actually 
discuss with them when you maybe are starting a, a new project? Yeah, so when we're starting kind of filling them out, it's, it's trying to see where they are today. So kind of like you stated, where a lot of companies are starting to transition finally off-prem into cloud. So, you know, the, the cloud is, is great because you have, you know, there's a lot more you can do in the cloud, especially with technology today. But the caveat to that is that there's also an increased access points, you know, to your cloud. So now, you know, you're in the cloud, users are accessing data, not just from their company-owned laptops anymore, but it's also from their mobile phones, it's from their tablets. So it's how do you make sure you have security around all of that? Because as we saw from a COVID world, there's a lot of BYOD work or devices that are included now. So if I were to, you know, sit down with a CISO or, or a CIO who was concerned about their data, it would just be kind of finding out their current state of where are you in your cloud transition and what are you allowing your users or your employees to access your data? So is it just laptops? Is it mobile devices as well? Um, and also, where is that data being stored and accessed from? Is that cloud storage environments? Do you have you know, data lakes that are involved? Things like that just doing a pretty much a general discovery to get the high level, where the data is, what is sensitive to you, or you know, getting to know what groups within the organization are the ones handling the sensitive data. Because I think where, where a lot of companies get kind of wrapped up in the weeds of this is that they say, oh, well, it's, you know, let's start big, let's go across the whole organization. Where in reality, probably a majority of your workforce, depending what industry you're in, isn't going to handle sensitive data. Doesn't mean they don't have access to it, but from a day-to-day, -day they won't. So let's focus on those key groups that do your, your finance verticals, your HR, your R&D. Like, let's focus there first. Okay. And you mentioned, I guess, all these different endpoints or access points in, into a company's corporate network, so to speak, and COVID definitely did it to us as, uh, as far as being able to access the corporate network from, you know, from our home laptops and our cell phones, et cetera. And specifically with, with like a mobile device, do you have any insight around, you know, making sure that mobile devices are, are secure or any just overall insight or, or best practices around, around mobile, mobile security? Right. Yeah. So from the mobile device, I mean, it's it's still new and people are very sensitive to it, especially if it's their own device. But there's a lot of good endpoint management tools out there. Um, endpoint management, you know, being your phone or your iPad, there's a lot you can do there where if you have a data classification system, if you're working on a plane from your iPad, you can still, you know, label a document so that you have other DLP or tools in there that can follow the label that you've put. Um, there's also encryption you can add with your labels. So getting out of the old school password protected of sharing passwords, you can use your company's own keys to actually encrypt data and secure that, whether it's just to the company or to only a specific group of people. So document classification is one way you have protection there, but it's also making sure that um, it's a managed device. So you enroll your device into this. It tells your company that this is something that we can trust, but you can put controls in there to say, hey, if you're accessing our data from, say, Microsoft Office, that is a company-provided you know, provided application, or if there's some other applications your company provides, that you can put policies in there to say data from this application cannot go to a third party or an application that's not supported by us. So there's, there's a lot that you can, you can do there to say, hey, we understand that you have your own personal apps, but our information cannot go to those apps, or you cannot use certain browsers that we don't trust. Yeah. And do, do you see a, a lot of different SaaS applications out there that 
you know, clients may not quite understand, you know, if the data is protected there and some may think, oh, yeah, it's, it's in this SaaS application. So therefore, it's it's protected. But you and I both know that there's the shared responsibility model out there. And yeah, it's in it's in the cloud, but it's only protected to a certain degree. Your data is your responsibility. Are you seeing any of that out there? No, ab- absolutely. So you're right. There's a lot of SaaS apps and a lot of the baseline security they provide is, is great. But really what it comes out to is do they know who's accessing it? Um, you know, and do the, you have the right levels and role-based access control to your information? Um, because, yeah, as security has evolved, a lot of people still think of it as firewalls, intrusion protection systems. But in reality, it's, there's more user involvement today than I would say ever before. So in reality, if you have users accessing, say, like a, a Dropbox or, or a OneDrive or SharePoint, wherever your information is stored, that all it takes is for someone is to get their name and password, um, especially if they don't have MFA or something like MFA in place, you know, is that extra layer of security. But what's kind of nice in the extra layer of that is, you know, if, if someone does pull your files from OneDrive, but they don't have, you know, a proper login or something to that effect, and it is encrypted, that person can't take it. So say, for example, you have your encrypted files you shared over email or someone fat fingered an email to someone who shouldn't receive it. So when it comes to classifying and protecting it in in these SaaS apps, if you actually have file encryption applied, that limits it based on identity. So if the user does not have the right credentials to use it, they can get a hold of your file because when they open it, they're going to get a nice stamp that says, sorry, you, you can't view this because we don't know who you are. So that's why it's, it's really up to the people to, take into consideration and with, I think, the help with labels, because when you do label a document, you can put, you know, policy tips and things to say, or even if you have the automation mind to say, hey, maybe we scanned a social security number in here or an account number that, you know, you didn't see. So you should actually label it with this. So I think user user education in the security world is probably top priority at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Education is always number one, because you, you continue to hear those stories where, someone clicked on something that that they were not supposed to and that's how malware and things like ransomware actually you know gets inside of a of a corporate network and sit dormant you know on a system for 30 days 60 days 90 days it it, it depends because they they're they're looking for the crown jewels um have, have you ran into any situations that that what well, maybe not running into any situations but what would you recommend just overall from maybe protecting against things like like ransomware? I know you mentioned MFA, you mentioned zero trust uh, a little earlier, you mentioned some encryption things as well. I think you even mentioned RBAC, rollback access control, role-based access control. A- anything else that, that we've missed that you would, would mention to a client? Um, if I were to say if they were starting on a zero trust dur- journey, you know, kind of, you know, the pillars that I follow, at least first, the first couple, um, it's definitely your identity. You know, get your identity in control. Make sure you know who is accessing what and what they have access to. Um, it's making sure you actually have your access review, you know, policies in place just to make sure that if you do, we know a lot of companies use third-party contractors because now in security, it is a very specialized skill. We know that there's a skill gap, you know, that these organizations are trying to fill. So but it's making sure that you always go through, make sure that you don't have, you know, older uh, employees or people who may not be there still have access to their credentials. Number two is definitely around the data protected side. If you can, you know, get the identities and formalize those, 
they're tied to your data protection strategy. So making sure, you know, again, you know, they have control, information's being labeled, you're tracking where those labeled documents are going, what they're doing with, you know, something like a DLP, um, and, you know, restricting certain things to go outside. And again, I'd say if you have the chance to do a policy tip on any type of security tool, that's free education, free change management, you know, type thing for users. And then from there, you kind of start going into your device, I would say is number three. And then you can kind of follow the, the other pillars. Because one thing with the devices is that there's so many. I know me personally, I have, I have, you know, one, you know, corporate laptop. I have a test laptop as well, you know, for a different lab tied to my network. And then I have my phone and sometimes iPad when I'm traveling. So there you, I have four devices that I have to manage, maintain, and make sure that, <laughs> you know, someone doesn't break into one of those and, you know, do some harm. And if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge gumbo listeners, we have some more ingredients to share with you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. 75% of security failures are the result of inadequate identity and access configuration. Often, sensitive data is stored across multiple cloud environments, comes in contact with countless users and cloud entities, and is found in unexpected, vulnerable places. Data Posture Manager delivers enhanced visibility into users and cloud components that have access to sensitive data, alerting organizations to excessive or newly granted privileges and enabling one-click real-time remediation of security policy violations, ultimately helping security teams combat overload, fatigue, and lack of resources. Solvo prioritizes findings based on risks, vulnerabilities, and business impact and is the first platform to combine runtime application analysis infrastructure security and data posture management capabilities to support teams that protect organizations using public cloud services from misconfigurations, data leakage, and breaches. For more visibility into your cloud application, visit solvo.cloud, S-O-L-V-O dot cloud. And to Matt, we're back in. And before the break, you were talking about the pillars of a zero trust journey and also recommendations for protecting against ransomware. For the rest of the episode, let's get into the best practices around unlocking data silos and gaining global visibility. Also, I guess you you, you also you know have a different uh, approach when it comes to taking a step back and, and really analyzing kind of the fifty thousand foot view of you know someone's environment. What would you recommend as, as a best practice or, or insights to someone who you know, has a lot of different siloed, you know, um, storage uh, locations or th their, their data is is here or it's it's in the cloud and it's on premises and it's in uh, this particular data lake or this data warehouse. And they're really trying to kind of wrap their arms around all of that data and maybe get that global vis visibility view. What, what do you uh, recommend for that? I mean, I would say for, for a lot of these projects to be successful with the least amount of pain, just because when it does come to security, now with the user involvement, there is a large change aspect because it's very different how they used to work, say, 10 years ago. But I would definitely say make that investment into a tool or a tool set that can do some of that discovery for you. Because you don't want to sit there and, and spend day after day with conversations trying to figure it out manually. You know, the starter conversation is, say, if you're a hospital, we know that there are certain, you know, HIPAA, you know, rules and information that you want to look for. There's probably some bank account information from a billing perspective. So set your tools to kind of look for that information first, just to see where it is. 
And then once you can kind of get a generalization of, okay, we have this type of sensitive data in this location, that's going to be your roadmap to say, here's what we're going to go protect first based on priority or how much data we've seen there that, and how much access to that data is there. What do you think are some of the challenges that, that individuals go through when it comes to just trying to comply with, with some of these regulations? I know you mentioned HIPAA. Um, there's, a, there's a ton of alphabets out there, GDPR, CCPA, um, SOX, SEC 17-A, and the list goes on, right? What are some of the recommendations that, that you, you can provide to someone that may be struggling, struggling to kind of comply to some of the, the myriad number of, of regulations out there that are tied to, you know, keeping data safe? You know, I think with that, it's, it's just, you know, make sure that your organization is aware of it, where there's, you know, because I don't expect every user, you know, in every organization to understand what's involved in GDPR, what's involved in all these new security policies coming out from not only countries and nations, but, you know, own individual states in the U.S., but it's, you know, use use kind of what's available out there. Like, for example, October Cybersecurity Awareness Month. You know, that's it's great that we have our own month dedicated to security and use that to send out educational articles to say, hey, we have to, you know, manage devices or something like that because the bad guys, so to speak, they're not only looking at, you know, your C-suite, they're looking at everybody. So it's just giving them the education to say, hey, we're doing this, you know, because we want to protect you. We want to protect our customers. So I think as long as you have that messaging that would resonate with your users, that that's going to be your best bet. And to constantly reiterate that, because if they see it once a year, they're going to forget. So maybe send out just some educational quick one pager emails, you know, say, you know, once a quarter at least just to keep that familiarity to them. Yeah, you, you mentioned education earlier and also some some other things around awareness um, uh, from that perspective also. A, a another question I want to ask you is like automation. So are, are you seeing a lot of uh, on the automation front, like using APIs and, and kind of, you know, doing some scripting or PowerShell or any, any, any other type of automation in order to kind of implement um, to automate things within specific uh, environments? No, absolutely. And, and we, you know, we highly encourage it once you know, our clients have hit that level of comfort because we also know that with automation, if you're not careful, it can break a lot of your, your business processes if you haven't thoroughly thought it out. But kind of, you know, a lot of what I say process-wise is, you know, do your, you know, we start out with that discovery, figure out what's going on, you know, introduce, you know, some of your baseline policies, let the users get used to, you know, what that action looks like, whether it's, hey, I have to manually label or there's even, you know, you say light automation where there are recommendations given to the user saying, Hey, based on what we're seeing you're doing, we actually suggest you go down this path. Um, but definitely going to automation because, you know, as soon as you can really narrow down what it is you want done, what you want protected, that at least it takes it a lot off the user's plate. And so they don't feel like they're burdened by this technology or, you know, thinking that they can't do their job because of it. So I say anything you can take off an employee's plate would be a win. I, I agree with that. And are, are you seeing any any microservices like customers use microservices like you know Kubernetes and things like that? Is that is that something that you're seeing more and more of, or you you don't run across that that much? No, that's yeah, not an area I plan, so I haven't seen a lot of that. Gotcha. And you know I am starting to see it a lot because I, I've had some conversations about backing up, you know, making sure that you know Kubernetes clusters and uh, 
Kubernetes data is is protected because, you know, microservices are also vulnerable as as well. Um, and so it, it's something that I see, you know, quite a lot. Um, maybe one or two more questions, and then then we can begin to wrap up. Uh, another question that that I have for you as well is that what what do you think is maybe the biggest challenge when it comes to maybe like good data hygiene and making sure that the uh, kind of customers wrapping their arms around data and just making sure that the data management strategies that they set in place are um, of utmost importance. I think a lot of that, and especially what I've started to see recently, and I've had, you know, even some CISOs that I've worked with in the past reach out about it, it's the data lifecycle management, because they know that, you know, typically they don't, you know, your employees aren't going to go through and, you know, clean out file explorer. They're not going to clean out their their OneDrive or their Dropbox, whatever they're using to store information. So I think making sure that you only keep what you're legally required to keep, um, you know, from like say like a Sarbanes-Oxley or something, you have your your time limits for certain information. Keeping that, you know, somewhere stored and secured is understandable, but there's a lot of other information you don't need. So, you know, get some retention policies out there, get some policies out there that will hold on to data for a period of time and then get rid of it. Because the more you're holding, the more you're going to lose track of it. And that's what someone's going to come after. They're going to come after the data they know you're not looking at. So yeah, if you can get in some data lifecycle management of, hey, here's when we take in this information and here's a great time when we can get rid of it, um, especially if you can do that with a tool set that'll automate that for you. I, I think that's going to be a lot, that's going to help them out a lot more. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate your, your insight here, Matthew. And w what are you reading these days? You, you have anything on your nightstand that that's interesting for the gumbo listeners? Nothing, for, you know, from now, but it's really just kind of scanning, you know, multiple news articles and it's really just watching to see what comes out. Um, you know, the biggest thing I pay attention to is when I do see uh, a breach happen that I'm kind of waiting tooth and nail to get the details of that just so that, Hey, I can educate myself. And I can bring that to my customers to say, you know, for example, like with, you know, the T-Mobile breach and a lot of others is taking points from those articles and applying that to what I do today to give my customers a better experience and more secure. All right. And th this is a question, the final question for our maybe younger audience out there, someone who is looking to break out into the data protection, data storage, data backup, data protection landscape, what, what advice w would you give to them on how to in enter the market? Yeah, absolutely. So I can just kind of give you my, you know, experience, a little more background. So when I, you know, went through university, I came out as a business management major. So I was not very technical at the time, um, but there's a lot of great services out there. So I know I can speak from, you know, like the Microsoft perspective, they have a whole learning path that you can get into. But it's also, you know, start in college, you know, take, you know, a couple of the courses there. A lot of universities bring in the guest speakers, use that opportunity to learn from them and introduce yourself to say, this is something I'm interested in and just make sure you have the right network. Because I've started to see even at the college I graduated from, North Georgia University, um, that now they now have a security program that wasn't in place when I attended. So, you know, look at it. And then there are a lot of other great security companies and tools that are giving free knowledge articles. And they're also um, giving you the opportunity to even get certified early. So I say use, use all the free material and make sure you get your network spun up because I would say networking in this space is what has gotten me to where I am today and why I have a lot of, 
you know, other companies who need security help are looking because, you know, as you and your friends move to different organizations, keep those contacts, just pick up that phone, you know, once a quarter, you know, keep the conversation warm. Mm-hmm. And you, you are a, an exact example of networking. So we, we connected on LinkedIn and you agreed to, to uh, have a conversation with us here on, on, on data protection gumbo. So I, I really appreciate your, your insights and your knowledge and information that you've provided on the show today. So thank you again, Matthew. And I, I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Yeah, likewise. Appreciate Demetrius and yeah, looking forward to another conversation. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.